Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm one of your hosts, Kurt Flagel. And I'm your other host, Kim Ward. I'm so excited to have Jerry and Linda Pretzel on. First met Jerry when I was 20, so it's been 19 years. If you want to do the math, you can figure out how old I am now. But I am so grateful to have you guys on the show. You guys had such a huge impact on my life when I was with Youth With a Mission. So I am super excited to hear a little bit more of your story because, you know, it's been 19 years and 20-year-old me is a lot different than who I am now. And I might not have been paying as much attention as I should have been. But anyway, I would just love if you guys could share just a little bit of how you came to know God, you know, getting to know him in the first place. Yeah, um, Linda and I grew up in Northern California, Petaluma, Santa Rosa area, and uh, we uh, were called out of the business world in 1975, sold the business and and uh, went into a couple of years of Bible school, which was very much like a uh, a youth with a mission discipleship training school in Santa Rosa, it was at that time. And, and after a couple of years of that, we uh, joined youth with a mission uh, in, in Austria, uh, working uh, into Eastern Europe. And, and uh, we were there for three years. There were exceptional years of fun times of ministry and in and, and exciting times doing the Cold War in and out of Eastern Europe and a lot of stories, but uh, led us back to the States, very clear calling back to America. I can give you chapter and verse right out of Genesis, return to the land of your forefathers. And it was the last place we wanted to go. No YWAMR wants to go home, you know, but uh, we we ended up running after a while, discipleship training schools in Salem, Oregon. And we did that for about three, three and a half years. And then we pioneered a work in Idaho. Uh, We were there for seven years. And at the end of that time, we going through, we talked and even prior to this this as we were warming up for this program we were talking about desert times and that's probably what you remember Kim was um, just uh, God just getting a hold of us through hard times and at the end of that time uh, with Linda having cancer and and uh, the just not things going well at the YOM base and and financial debt and all those things all those things were used to be able to, to get me into a place to where I could just come to the end of my own stuff if you know what I mean it's the best way to put it and surrendering, bringing me to another stage in my walk of, will you follow me, whatever, and no matter what happens. And uh, at the end of that time, we were invited by a pastor in, in Boise, Idaho, if we would put together a program to bring counseling to his church. And it was because it was a large church and he was being inundated by the, the counseling needs. Uh, we we said yes, but we were teamed with somebody who had been doing this thing called Plumline. And, and Plumline was developed by a doctor, Bruce Thompson, in, in um, he was in Kona, Hawaii at that time, but he was from New Zealand. But as a medical doctor, he noticed that over 85% of his patients' problems didn't start in the physical. They started in the inner man, which put together a search to be able, okay, 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 God, what gives here? And 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 he wrote a book called The Walls of My Heart. We call it the Divine Plumb Line. And it's been years for, oh, 45 years now in the mission. And it's uh, excellent at opening up the heart and uh, to be able to show where the battles of our life have been fought, you know, um, up to that point in our life, where the enemy has deposited his stuff. And, and to be able to bring in the Holy Spirit to be able to say, okay, Lord, what do you want to, what do you want to bring out? What do you want to focus on at this point in my life? Most of that, a lot of times that bring us back to mom and dad and those people in our lives that uh, were used to bring those defining moments that I call where the enemy was used to bring his stuff into our lives and the lies and causes us to bring vows in and taking control of our lives and everything we have to release at the cross. And uh, as we started doing this with 
a with the staff and uh, of this church and and it was a big as i say it was a big church god started just teaching us over the over the next months and in the next year in fact and and uh you learn with every life every life is a story every life is a is unique and mm-hmm. uh Although there are some universals with all of our lives, it, it's, it causes you to say, okay, God, help, you know, and which is the most important prayer I think any of us can pray when we're over our heads. And, uh, and, it, and it, it just started catching on from that church to another church and then another church. And then before you know it, we were doing it in YWAM. And then before you know it, we were doing it all over the world. Uh, but there was a key time in my life where I was up in Alaska. I don't know if you remember this or not, but I was, um, I was prayed for, and I won't get into the details of it. They had just gone through a revival there. And uh, a guy by the name of Rodney Howard Brown, you may know the name. Uh, he, he had come to the church and there was a powerful revival that took place. And people prayed, for, a guy prayed for me. I didn't feel anything. Uh, and and yet two mornings later, I woke up in this amazing presence uh, that I call liquid love. Uh, my life changed that day. It was an hour of just rolling on the floor in the love of the Father. And, and when I say my life changed, I believe there was even an anointing that came on our ministry to where um, it didn't have to be in the classroom. It could be in a restaurant or in the woods or in a bakery or a, uh, next to somebody next to me on an airplane where I found it easy when people listen to me and be able to get deep into their lives where uh, it wouldn't be a program, but it would just be, tell me what's going on, you know, or men, uh, you know, older men weeping, uh, you know, next to me on the plane, unveiling things that they've never told anybody on their lives. Or, uh, you know, just to, to put it short, we've lived in miracle for the last 30 years, seeing the power of the Holy Spirit when he's released in a, in a revival setting. And uh, that's, I think, what we experienced in the classrooms, and you would have even back then in, in YWAM, back in Chico. Uh, when, when we do the things that happen in revival, it invites God in with his presence. And his presence is the determining factor that changes our lives. And uh, in come words of the Lord, in come repentance and bringing things to the cross and, and uh, releasing things that uh, lies and, and all this stuff that the Holy Spirit does of unveiling our lives. So we've been doing that, you know, I, I just to bring it to a close here, it, I started winding down in that around 2010, as I was doing it internationally, and Linda would go with me once, once in a while, working into Eastern Europe, Central Europe, Russia from, oh, St. Petersburg, all the way to Kamchatka, and, and just doing these groups. Uh, we do it in, in Korea or Mongolia, and, and just to see God show up uh, was incredible, but I've, I started to see it wind down. I was getting tired. I, I, I couldn't do the traveling overseas anymore, but as it started winding down into 2017, 18, 19, I felt like the Lord was saying, shut it all down. And, and, and that's really what, where we came into 2020, where I, even though the invitations were coming in from all over the world, I, I felt to say no to all of them. That's, that's the oversight. Linda, you can add anything you would like on that. She's been with me at times. Her mom was with us uh, for about 20 years as she was aging and eventually dying. And uh, so sometimes she could go with me, but not as often as she would have liked, of course. But uh, there are seasons of our lives where we're just called to do different things. Amen. Amen. Yeah. As you said, I came in the kind of the latter part of that 2004 for me. So I got to experience Plumline for myself. Although I remember being a little freaked out. Oh yeah. Everybody usually is. <laughs> yeah. But it's definitely something I'd say had a huge impact. Mm-hmm. I know on my life going through that personally, and then going through it later again, with one of my small group leaders to do some healing work. And it was, it was huge. I wouldn't be where I am today if that hadn't happened. Yeah. For me, 
personally. Wow. That was that was a, a big change for me because I was definitely the kid that was hiding in the back, hoping not to be noticed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you can't go to YWAM and, and stay in the background. It just doesn't happen. It's not something they believe in. They're like, you keep saying you're quiet and we keep telling you you're not. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. But so my memory is so linda you'd already by that point had you already gone through were you still in the middle of your desert season in 2004 or was that had not that really. already not really no had ended more or less there's different there's desert seasons and all you know there's yeah. more than one <laughs> right. well, we could very well have been you know but but uh, there's some that are you know there's little tiny deserts and then there's the uh you know the mojave desert and <laughs> and, and then you get into the sahara desert you know I oh mean, boy it's, you know yeah i do I don't remember it as being desert, desert, you know, mm -hmm. I just remember there are choices in that season that were harder and there was beauty in it. I think when God calls us to, and especially probably a lot of people eventually get into this realm where you need to caretake your parent, you know, and that means you can't do everything that you're doing at the time. And then add that to an already crazy schedule. So you have to understand what is God saying in this season and who do I need to be in this season? And I think when I figured that out, it wasn't hard, although I missed certain aspects of not being with Jerry all the time because we've usually worked as a team. And so you kind of feel a little like, oh, gee, you know, I wanted to be there, you know, that kind of thing. But realizing what, what you were doing and how God sees it, it really, sacrifice would be maybe too big of a word because there was beauty in it that, that made me who I am today. And I think the harder part in those seasons is wanting to be understood that it's okay to be in that season. It's not like you're choosing to avoid. I think that was the hardest part, especially being in YWAM. And, you know, there's a certain culture that's understood. And when you pull out of that culture and go for something that doesn't look as attractive, <laughs> you kind of feel like, oh, gee. But for me, I knew it was right, and and uh, I would never be sorry for what I had to pay, you know, to do that. And it was a blessing. And I think in the end result, when we're obedient to whatever God calls us to walk in, um, the fruit of that, although you don't see it in the time, you go, wow, if that didn't happen, this wouldn't happen, and that wouldn't happen. You just see wisdom all over the place. But at the time, you don't see that. You just maybe see, well, gosh, is that you feel maybe shelved? It would be a word, you know, kind of like put off to the side. And really, it wasn't being put off to the side. I just had a different emphasis. And God was so faithful, so faithful during that season. Anyway, I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of where I've been at. And, and that, that season was for both of us. The, when, when, when Linda's mom came, Linda, before that, Linda was gone with me every time. And, and as she said, we, we've always been together in ministry. And, and we, we've, we flow together very, very well. And I have a confidence then that when she's speaking, I don't, I don't have to guard every word. And I wonder, <laughs> well, I wonder if she's got the word of the Lord because she always does. And, and, I, and so when we, we both heard, especially me, I heard it's time to take your mom in because she was not doing well. We didn't think it was going to be a long time, you know, uh, but it turned into 20 years. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and in that 20 years, I'd say that, uh, you know, Linda didn't change as much as I did. You know, the reality of, of, of you find out how selfish you are. You, you know, the, 
we, we have this thing on ministry. And, and I think you guys would understand that with a few minutes we've had together of understanding that it's easy for ministry to become a God in itself. And, and it's easy to be able to go, wow, you know, we can sacrifice family for ministry. And, and as Linda said, there's times when that happens. We're called to, to uh, the, I like what Oswald Chambers says, the, when, when we follow the Lord, it doesn't cost us a thing, but it costs those that we leave behind. And, and there's a great sacrifice there. That was a, a special season in our lives, and, mm-hmm. and we wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. What I was hearing was just a lot of the difference between invitation and obligation. Yeah. Oh, gosh. As far as the season goes, because it's how you see it and how you receive it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, love the, I love the word obligation that you use there because none of us wants to be an obligation, you know, in, in, when it comes to marriage, okay, you know, well, you know, we've got to spend time with dad, you know, we haven't seen him in a couple of weeks or mom or whatever. And it, they turn into an obligation and, and everybody knows when they're an obligation. Nobody likes it. But, and, and, but, and, but nobody wants to be an obligation. And, and, and there's a, if we see the different phases of life that, that you can see in first John, he says young, he says in, in first John, I think it's the end of chapter one or the beginning of chapter two. He says they're young. He talks about young people. You know him, you know, you, you, they're excited about life and they're excited about the fact that we can even know God. And then he says, uh, young men, you know, the, the mighty ones, you, you know him and you is like, you're called to be a warrior kind of a thing. And then you have the old fathers, you know, and you know him. That's all he says. You know him. You have known him who is from the beginning. And, that, and he says it twice. You've known him from the beginning. And so you have these, these various sections of age groups that are almost working against one another, where you have the old, the, the warrior in the middle that are, that are in that middle age. And, you know, whether it be the money making or the, the I'm out there, to, you know, to, to just in the kingdom, just to take down the devil. And I'm, uh, and, and, and there's dad at home just enjoying, you know, and, 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 and there's only almost like it's hard for the warrior to be called home or to be able to take time and and it take and I think it's a it, it's an amazing thing that God is doing in, in waking us all up to to what life is all about these days. I I uh, yeah I, I love what God's doing in the church right now though there is an awakening taking place and I'm sure you're noticing it. Is it okay if I ask a question? Absolutely, fire away, man. I like how you just quoted John. Right, what I've been hearing is you've been talking a lot about the generation that we're in now that we are living very selfish lives and and you talked about your experiences and how god has brought you through these seasons to break through that selfishness that we all have that self-centeredness and and then you quoted john as who talks about these different generations young men old men so when it comes to the younger generation we know like when we're younger we are beginning to experience God and we're on fire for him. And a lot of it is head knowledge and we're just beginning to experience him. And I loved how you said old men, you know him, right? The older generation has gone through these experiences and kind of like what Job says at the end of that long season of suffering, he says, I had only heard about you, yeah, yeah, but now I see you. Oh, that's so good. So the question can you know for the younger generation who are knowing God here in their heads, right, but yet haven't had a lot of experiences with Him during that long twenty years of serving your mom, and you know, and you both of you used to being together, and now you're serving and and apart from each other. Can you give some maybe some specific stories 
of times where you like God's presence was real for you. You experienced him and, and came to know him in a deeper way, some character of God and who he was to you and, and also how he saw you in the midst of that, something like that, just some stories to help the younger generation see that, you know, like, yeah, it's these, when we walk in obedience to, and surrender ourselves uh, and surrender our lives to him, we experience him. When we give God our lives, he gives us his life, right? So absolutely. I'd love for some specific stories, if you don't mind sharing them. Linda was home and it was an easy adjustment at first. You know, the fact that she could take care of mom and, and, and okay, well, I'll just go now. And, uh, and it was hard for me at first because I was so used to Linda being there. And uh, then I got to the point to where, okay, you know, I, I can do this. And God gave us grace for that season. For me, the presence of God was real all of the time and easy because I'm out there doing the stuff and receiving the accolades and the, and, and the exciting stories and going to this part of the world and that part of the world. And, and once in a while, like I say, Linda would go with us, you know? And so for me, you know, presence was, we, we tend to bring presence where we see God move. Isn't that something? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, man, you, you pray for somebody and all of a sudden you see a healing, you know, and you go, man, that was good. And, you know, blowing off the smoke off the pistol, you know, and, and so, but, but you can mistake that for presence. Mm. See, you can mistake the being in the revival situation where you're seeing God move as the presence. And that is, that is where we grow. We don't grow in, in the mountaintops. We don't grow. You, I, I grew in understanding people. I under, grew in understanding the ways of God and speaking into lives and the and there's a lot of good things to be said about that because it's a beautiful thing to be able to extend the kingdom of God, whether it be one person or, or several at a time. But then there comes the reality of, of your actual life apart from that beautiful ministry. And it has been a beautiful ministry that he's doing. And that is the life that he's looking at. And so, you know, there would be, you know, we had a, a separate living quarters for Linda's mom right downstairs, you know, in each place we lived. And, and we'd like to have our little time together in the morning. Linda and I always have that, you know, and with the coffee and what is God saying to you and processing life. We do that every day. Be right in the middle of it. And we'd pretty soon we'd hear this, you know, this you know, the steps coming is coming up and the door opening and it's Linda's mom. Good morning. You know, and, and going from a place of, wow, we just had this great time. And now we got mom to uh, going to the place of welcoming her into that part of our life. And that was an adjustment because I think if God is watching when it comes to ministry, we're not the ones that are doing real ministry anyway. It's the Holy Spirit. And God isn't going, wow, look what I did. You know, all we're, we're just happened to be, I call myself the taxi driver. So many times I'd come away going, man, that's all I've been this time is a taxi driver. So to be able to glow, you know, say, look what I did. I can't do that. But what he's looking at is how are we really loving one another in the middle of it? And there are stress points in all of our lives. And one of the great stress points in Every, there's a lot of jokes made about it. His mother's-in-law. I had a mother-in-law who was teachable. She knew the Lord. Uh, when we would have a little stress time, we'd have a talk. And whether it was her having to change or we're having to change, or most of the time, both of us having to change, whatever it was. And that wasn't much, uh, but it was went from tolerating to actually, wow, this is an amazing privilege like Linda talks about. Now that's my side of the story. Yeah, 
and it was like different seasons within the season. And especially she went through about eight or nine major surgeries. And it was always what happened before the surgery because she was falling apart and needed extra care. And it was more stressful. Lots of doctor's appointments, lots of this, lots of running around. Lots, lots of, of pain. Lots of pain. And then we'd finally get it to, oh, finally surgery day. Yay. You know, we're going to at least fix this, whether it be a hip or a knee or back surgeries. And oh, anyway, there's lots of them. But in the whole process, then it was the healing time after that. So those were the most stressful times, the before surgery and the after surgery, getting her through all the therapy and getting her to back to the new state of normal. And I think those were the most stressful, exhausting, because you're, you're serving at a lot of capacity, you're getting the food, you're doing this, you're doing that. And plus, you're watching her suffer, which takes a lot of energy out of you when you see somebody you love hurting. And we would have little, like almost with every surgery, when she would start pushing, trying to get to push to do better, there would be the pain would be so great, there'd be the meltdowns, you know, and she'd have a total meltdown and just bawl and cry and we'd pray. And and then after that, she would have a new surge, you know, it was like she almost had to hit the wall, and then she could push through it. And so there was just so much in learning in that. And I would say the Lord gave wisdom. But you know, feeling wise, it wasn't like a feely feely and you get these exciting, wonderful, quiet times, even like when I went through cancer, it's like, I would get this, oh, man, God must be really talking to you. And I'm thinking, I wish, you know, <laughs> I, I, it's not that he wasn't talking. It's just that there was no high in it. I was surviving. I was surviving surviving chemo. So it's like I was exhausted. You know, I didn't deal with a lot of anger and all that kind of stuff that some people deal with. I just was taken one day at a time. And I think in those serving days, you take one day at a time, you receive what you need from him. He gives you the grace for that day. You just try not to project it to the next week because you only have enough for that day and you don't want to waste it. And so that's kind of what got me through. And I guess there's just so much richness in learning how to serve. I think in learning how to serve, the Lord taught me how to anticipate the need. I think that's the greatest gift you can have because that helps facilitate the person who has the need because you're already thinking that next level. You're thinking, oh, they're going to need this now and doing everything I could to be able to knowing, okay, we're going into surgery time. That means, okay, I've got to be prepared with this and this and this, and we're going to need the walker. We're going to need, we're going to need the commode. We're going to need, you know, you're thinking all these things that you never thought about before, but you're planning and you're trying to make it as easy on the person as could be because they're going through a lot and you're going through a lot. If you make it easier on them, it also makes it easier on you. So I guess the revelation was just moment by moment and then grace, receiving grace to do that. And I think the most for us, the key time for me was like when Jerry would be gone, we talked so much daily, you know, he kept me informed, he kept me a part of what he was doing. I knew how to pray for what he was doing. He would share what the process was that day and, and who he met and how to pray and you know, and so I felt like I was there. I think for anybody that's serving in a family situation, the greatest 
greatest need is to feel significant out there too. And if I knew that, hey, I'm I'm still with him because even though I'm not in body with him, I'm in spirit with him. And he's even more successful because I'm praying for him. And so I had a duty too, you know, and I had a, a valuable place in that. And I guess uh, that's what kept me going more than anything is that. And then him reporting back, oh, it was a powerful day in class today. It was so awesome. I wish you were here, you know, and then I could rejoice with him in that and say, yeah, oh, that's so great. That's kind of part of the process, but it isn't like dramatic or, you know, it's just almost bit by bit. Easy, easy day by day. But I think serving one another and Jerry, uh, during those harder times, I mean, whether it's sacrificial time, he made me feel valuable. So I didn't feel less than because I wasn't a part of, but he kept me a part of. And I think that's so significant. And that's where I think a lot of couples, when they're in this sacrificial season, lose it. Because usually after a hard time like that in the family where you're having to take on either losses or, you know, a parent needs extreme health care needs and all those, it can bring a lot of stress in a marriage. But it's because we've separated that and not together processed it and kept each other. And I think what happens is a lot of times the wife will, or whoever is equipped to do it, which a lot of times it's the wife would be serving at that capacity and the husband would be out there. But if he wasn't including her in the paths, their paths become two separate paths. And it's never meant to be two separate paths. We're having two separate experiences, but they're merging together. And because they're merging together, we're feeling significant in each other's life and necessary. And I think that's, that would probably be the biggest jewel out of that whole time is recognizing that. And when we share with other people that are kind of coming into that season, we try to help them to see what that season looks like. You never know how much it's going to cost you until you're in the middle of it. You think, you know, but you have no idea. And you hope that you're equipped, but you will be at the end. <laughs> but the process is a learning experience. I, I know there there was a lot of sweetness to it and but a lot of a lot of energy. And you know, my mom was a delightful social person. Uh, she really loved people and she never knew a stranger. If she was anywhere, even the grocery store, she'd start talking to whoever and they would start sharing their their problems with her. And she's she always knew about everybody. And I said, well, how do you know all that? And she goes, I don't know. People just open up to me. Well, she gave him value because she listened. It's easier to give when you know someone is engaged in that. Anyway, I hope that answered maybe your question. But there was more to our life than that story. That's a season. But God is doing amazing things. And we are so busy right now and fulfilled right now. There's no such thing in our, our life as retirement. It's like, hey, we're just getting good you know (laughs) well how do you retire from following jesus you just don't do it you know and and it's uh i i think that there's there's value in all in your older age if you've been following god because you have the wisdom and you have the insight of eugene peterson put it the you know the author of the message he said if you're going to be in ministry you need to do know two things well one of them is god and the other thing is people and 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 our being in ministry we're merging the two and we get the privilege of being able to do that could I just say this when you were, you were talking about young people, how, how where do you take it from here? Where where they're hungry, they're ready to start. We're seeing a fire in in young people. We're seeing a response 
an, an aliveness to them that uh, that just draw it out of us. Where, wherever we are, they just they just pull it out of us, and it's so beautiful because it's so exciting, and we see their eyes just light up knowing and or you're connecting and and you're giving some more understanding or helping facilitate the season that they're walking in and I don't know it's it's been the most hopeful we've ever seen with hungry people young people young Mm. people yeah I mean our generation has experienced revival the Jesus movement and all of that uh, we kind of got saved at the end of that, but we saw revival. We, we, we I, I say it was in the air back then, you know, and, uh, and, and, and now with the Asbury thing that, that taken place and, and now breaking out all across the nation, you know, and in various pockets and universities and high schools and churches, and we're even seeing a difference, even in our own church, there's a hunger and people showing up and, and, and so forth. We're coming into that, those times again. And yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it's what the Bible calls us to, right? It's not like any part of the body doesn't need each other. That's right. You know? That's right. Uh, us young kids, okay, I'm not a kid anymore. I'm almost 40. But, you know, we, we need people who've already gone through this to go, hey, I made it through this. You will too. Because we need that hope. You know, it can be way too easy to try to do this on our own. And then you wind up in what Kurt calls the echo chamber and you can't see or hear anything other than the voice of the enemy. And we need people who've gone through that to speak life, to speak what God says in, into this place. Exactly. You know, it's it's what I loved about Plumline. Before we get there, though, there's a few things that have popped in as you guys were talking. And Jerry, you said, author Eugene Peterson said, if you're going to be in ministry, you need to know two things really well, God and people. Right. And also, Linda, you're talking about knowing what was going on with Jerry, that he included you so you knew how to pray. And then you're talking about like the generations, how these younger generations, they need the older generation's voice, as Kim was saying. Right. And all these things have just come together. The idea of I just saw a triangle. Like in all of that, like I saw a triangle and at the two bottom corners of the triangle are the older generation, younger generation, or even individual people. Mm -hmm. And they are very far apart, right? And God is the top of the triangle. And as we pray, you know, and as Jerry, as you included Linda into the ministry out there, she was praying. And as you both sought God you move from those two far edges, moving towards God, who is the top of the triangle. The closer you got to God, the closer you got to each other, right? right? right. And it's just like, how important is it for us who are older to be praying for that younger generation? We're just like, you know, it would be easy as you guys were, as you were traveling and you were home for you guys to stay in those separate corners of the triangle far from each other. But as you prayed for each other, you got closer to God and closer to each other as you traveled up the edges of that triangle. And how how easy is it for us to stay separate from each other and our generations? And it is, this is the beauty of, of God as we've discovered it, is the beauty of God is as we seek God for each other, mm-hmm. right? We grow closer to each other. And I'm just struck with, as you guys are talking, I'm just struck with how important it is for those of us in the older generation to be holding up the younger generation. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Yep. 
Yeah, and not only holding up, but to be able to allow them in. Being vulnerable with our lives is key to growth. Vulnerability means I'm willing to be hurt again. And the whole nature of what the enemy has done is, is to have us create walls. And it happened, those walls are built early in life to where we are just not vulnerable to one another. And what happens inside stays inside, you know, and until we're invited. And that's what plumb line time, we called it plumb line. I use very little of the plumb line teaching, actually, to be able to, to do that. I, I use it to open up my own life, which could open up other lives. And so my being transparent with where how God has moved in my life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, would, would give people permission to open up their own life. And when you see the, as you were talking, Kurt, I, I, I was reminded of some of our very finest workshops I've been where we've had the older generation with the younger. And you'd see both of them. And, and there'd be the question as well, you know, I'm coming to a church and there would be, is it right to have, you know, these older people with the young people and they're sharing stuff that these people have not, not gone through and they can't identify with one another. And I, I was reminded of a story that happened early on, you know, and uh, we it, about 15, 16 people in this group. And uh, there were several single women in there, a couple of few older people too. And we'd gone through a few of the women opened up first. And I remember at least four of them had opened up to where they had been sexually abused, molested, and, and most of them by their fathers early on, you know, and that's what we would do in the group of just being able to open it up to be able to say, what does God want to heal in your life today? And boy, there was a real exceptional vulnerability in the group and people were just unloading uh, one at a time. And and we would pray for them. And I've always opened it up to the rest to be able to bring healing. And, uh, you know, when the girls would open up their 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 pain and, and they wouldn't just say, well, you know, this happened to me. I mean, there would be just great breaking and weeping and brokenness. And, and then this older couple would come and stand in as parents and ask forgiveness and, 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 and bring the healing touch even. And so you would see the generations working together of women that never had any idea what it would be like to be able to, to be hugged by a father. And in even doing this over the years, I learned how to be a father myself and to have people weep on my shoulder. And some of those people would be much older than I was back then. And, and, and yet everybody needs the heart of a father or the shoulder of a father and the love of a father. And, and, and as we'd gone around, you know, the, it, it was getting later on in the day and then this this elderly man he's in his 70s came up and and he just started talking about how he had a wonderful mom and and so forth and he had three daughters and a son and he says one son i i i have a wonderful relationship with uh, and and uh, he hugs me i hug him a daughter I, you know i can hug her anytime but he says i have two daughters that if i go to hug them they back off they won't have anything to do with me and he just started weeping saying you know the reason they won't allow me to touch them, he says, I molested those two girls when they were young. And he, and he just started weeping and, and just going, why would I do that? Why would I do that? And um, we were still being mentored at the time. You know, I'll never forget uh, Miriam, who was helping us. And, and I remember her looking at this person and saying, you know, I don't believe this, this one day. He talked about how he had a love legacy in his life and how his mom loved him and all that. And he says, I don't believe this love legacy. He says, I believe you were, you were molested yourself as a child, you know? So the word of the Lord is moving here, you know? And, and at least I thought it was at the time. And he goes, nope, nope, didn't happen, didn't happen. And it was silence. I didn't know where to go. I thought, wow, nice try, you know? But that wasn't the word of the Lord, obviously. At that point, his wife came up and got in his face and said, 
I believe that's true. And I believe I know who did it. A few moments later, he just broke and started weeping and weeping and weeping. And then finally opened up his life, how his older brother had molested him. And, and then, then he, you know, to be able to see those same women that he had ministered to as a father, to be able to kneel in front of him. You know, and to be able and minister right as a father, you know, the ones that were in in the that were violated by their own fathers. And I said early on in the day, they had he administered to them uh, acting as a father, you know, Mm -hmm. and 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 representing their own fathers who had missed it and so forth. And now it was their turn to be able to kneel in front of him and just saying, as daughters, we're representing your daughters, and we we just say we forgive you, and we just bring healing. And they were able to bring the healing prayer you see the generations moving back and forth and it was such a powerful scene but i didn't realize how powerful it was until you know a few weeks later i heard that they had gotten together again and and uh this person you know they they were telling just victory stories of what god had done in their life and this elder elderly elderly gentleman held up a white shirt and it had black on one side of it and he says i want you to know that last weekend i got my daughter back she forgave me and there's this mascara and he says if you think i'm ever going to uh, wash the shirt again. You're crazy, you know? And, and he says, next weekend, I'm getting my other daughter back. So we lived in that kind of incredible, miraculous realm of seeing the redemptive power of Christ set loose in a, in a setting and many times between the generations and, and, and to be able to see the Holy Spirit as all of us have been given the ministry of reconciliation, Paul calls it, to be able to bring people back, not only to the Father, but to bring reconciliation to one another. And I believe we, each time we would open up that in, in those classrooms or churches, we did it. I believe we were experiencing revival. Yeah. I believe when revival breaks out, that's the very first thing that starts taking place is confession of sin and and restoration. So yeah, kind of a long story to be able to say, this is the stuff that revival's made of here. That's so important because we, we banter this word around kind of freely in the church revival. Right. And through this whole conversation, I have been struck by every time you've used revival, you brought the word the other re word repentance in with revival right and i don't hear that and i'm a little grieved inside that i don't hear that much when people talk revival they get really excited and everyone's talking about revival but jerry i absolutely resonate with you and linda both of you revival comes to repentance absolutely and what you've talked about is the power of revival can only happen through repentance and repentance is just being vulnerable. That's right. Just what you said, like, you know, we get scared of of vulnerability. We get scared that if we open up and share, we're going to get hurt. And it's true, like that, that that pain can truly come. People can and will reject us at times as we open ourselves up. But the power that we see in Jesus' vulnerability was that he knew his father so well, that he knew that his father loved him completely, that he could just open up on the cross is like the greatest picture of vulnerability of Jesus opening his arms wide and letting people do whatever they wanted to him. And he could only do that because he knew the father's love so well, and it so filled him that no one could add or take away anything from that. And so from that place of vulnerability, he gave himself and we killed him. And yet that vulnerability was the very thing 
that raised him from the dead. And, and we often look at the moment of having to be vulnerable at, you know, the, the risk of pain as the thing we're looking at, we're focusing on, when really beyond that, on the other side of that, there's power. Right. Absolutely. That's right. Mm-hmm. The very power that raised Jesus from the dead. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, the bottom line is we're not doing it ourselves. Yeah. And I think we have to remember that. I, I, you may remember the story of the taxi cab driver in India. Do you remember that story? Cam Vaguely. It sounds a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> we are talking 19 years. Well, <laughs> I, 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 it was one of the, it's my favorite story in all the world where we are yeah. in the uh, Philippines where uh, they, they brought this guy from India, YWAMers did, you know, and he, and he had an amazing gift of healing people. Uh, and, and the most, most of the people he would lay hands on were healed, but he had already raised three of them from the dead. But there was a, he told the story of this one woman uh, that he raised from the dead. And, and, and he told this way, he says, I'm driving through this, this little town in my taxi cab one day. And, and, and I see a funeral procession and they're carrying a dead woman. And Jesus spoke to me and he said, I, I want you to raise her up in my name. He goes, okay. You know, so he, he pulled his ca- cab over, you know, and he stops the funeral procession and he walks over and puts his hand on the body and commands you to rise. And he goes, she rose, you know, and then he told the story from the woman's side. And that's what I, I impacted all of us so much was he said she saw the entire thing taking place from the spirit realm she saw her body being carried and where you know and and so forth then she saw this car drive up park and the door open and out of the door got the person of jesus and jesus walked over and he stopped the the procession and and then he put his hand on her body and commanded her to come up where Jesus was when she woke up, she saw this taxi cab driver. And, and the point being made is who's doing the work here? Who, when, when we give our lives to Christ, who is actually in here? And I, and I saw a quote I've been using in the last couple of years. It was from an old revivalist, uh, Judson Cornwall. He was using the charismatic renewal. And he says this, living the Christian life is not difficult. He says, it's impossible. He says, only Christ can live the Christian life. One of the most miserable ways to live is to embrace Christian principles without receiving the life of Christ to implement those principles into our day-to-day living. And the reality that, that, that when we give our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in and he is resonant within us. And, and there's, the enemy wants us to think that we're the ones that has to do this, this stuff. It's not him. It's not us. It's him. And, and so I, that's the thing that at this point in our lives, you look back and we can see that hand of the Lord in every season of our life now. Seasons we've talked about, some we haven't, the good, the bad, and even the very ugly. But every season has had its point in our lives. All things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and called according to his purpose. And that we're not alone in this. We're going to have to run. We've got people, uh, somebody coming, and they're going to go with us to our church tonight and, and so forth. But I can't tell you what a privilege it's been to be with you guys. Yeah, I'm so grateful for you guys. This has been so awesome. Normally, we ask whoever we interview to pray for anyone who'd be listening, and that's how we'll wrap this up. That'd be wonderful, Linda. I want you to start, and then we'll. <laughs> I exhaust in prayer, so you know. It's yeah, like, and I can fill in the blanks here. We always. Oh, you missed this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it works anyway. Well, Lord, we are just thrilled with what you're doing in all of our lives, and I would just pray that whatever you purpose for this time of sharing, that it would find fertile ground to grow and develop and, and be the, just the helpful thing for whoever's listening that, that would 
give them understanding or encouragement or That's confirm right. what you're already saying to them. I would just pray you'd release this to do what you want to do in individual lives and that there would be hope. Hope for those that are weary in the battle. Hope for those that feel like there's no end to this, that they are stuck. And we pray that even just this light bit of times of sharing would show that there is hope and there is purpose and it i pray that you give people the energy and the grace to go for it to say yes jesus i want to get there and be able to um, get rid of the bags that are on their backpack and be able to be set free lord i pray that these words would cause a dance in the heart of people in their spirit, That's right. a dance that there is some relief, that there is there is a place of glory and that you rejoice in your children and you have brought the provision. We just have to access it. And I, I just pray for a release of that. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I, I'm, I'm just seeing people that are stuck in their home groups because they've gone through one book after another. Uh, one inner healing book after another, uh, and and yet they have not have not found life yet. Uh, I, I'm also hearing that there are people that have been to one counselor after another, and uh, and have still not had the life yet. Jesus, you said you came to bring us life and life to the fullest. And Lord, I would just pray that there would be that word that you would give to that one person in that home group that would just be able to step out in faith and to be able to open their lives and say, will you guys pray for me? And that the power of God would be released with that vulnerability. Lord, that there would be the, the, the person that has just said, listen, I, I, I can't go to another counselor. But Lord, that would just like that. I just see the, the woman that had been to so many doctors and she's bleeding and she's bleeding and she has to go through that crowd just to touch the hem of that garment. Lord, I, I just say, Lord, uh, would you give that person the faith to just meet you one-on-one and with that touch will be set free. You're going to be releasing people into absolute healing. You're redefining in these days inner healing uh, as something that we groaned about. But Lord, it's going to be miraculous. I see people sitting in services that are just going to go, in Jesus' name, uh, I need to be healed and will receive it. Uh, I see it happening in churches. I I, I pray this anointing to be greater and greater uh, on Kim and Kurt, Lord, as, as they bring these kinds of teachings and their own teachings uh, into people, whether it be on the uh, on, online or whether it be one-on-one, whether it be in church or the marketplace, Lord, that you're going to be releasing greater life, greater miracles, greater faith that Isaiah 61 would be so powerful over them. The spirit of the Lord God is upon you, Kurt and Kim, to, to proclaim the good news, to comfort those who are brokenhearted, to provide for those who grieve to bring beauty for ashes, oil of joy for uh, mourning, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Uh, You're going to be called oaks of righteousness for a a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Uh, May that anointing be heavily on you as you just have stepped out to bring healing to the masses. May your ministry be multiplied in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you to each of you who've made the time to listen to this episode. We really appreciate you. 
We would also encourage you to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel because there you can leave comments and we can interact as a community on that platform. And last, before we go, please remember from God's perspective, you are his beloved, so be loved.